Welcome to episode 10 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod. You can find me at YouTube at youtube.com slash Rod Kim. And I am JC. You can find me on Twitch every Sunday night playing Dungeons and Dragons with our group called Aldgate Adventures, where I play Kalgor, who is effectively Hawkeye, but misses way, way more. <laughs> Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, which is coming to Disney Plus next year supposedly they haven't given us a release date so i think we're, most of us are speculating it's going to overlap with some one of the live action marvel movies but we'll see we'll see how that evolves. you're speculating that more than maybe <laughs> well not in, in specifics i know we mentioned the last episode but maybe just in general it can't be an accident i don't know we'll see i could be completely wrong this won't age well it could definitely be <laughs> wrong so some quick reminders we're a recap show about a series that came out 30 years ago there will be some spoilers but if you don't want to spoil it for you pause the podcast watch the episode come back please come back please come back <laughs> we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet and we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with disney or disney plus in any way but we're still open to that discussion don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclops iwfm pod on twitter instagram and facebook also you can listen to episodes of the podcast through facebook's mobile feed but not desktop feed. Okay. Yeah, that's a thing. Sure. Yep. We'll just limit distribution. That's a But scarcity. we are also on what hopefully are all your favorite podcast services. And if there's one we're not on, tell us and I'll figure it out <laughs> in the future. Or sign up for Apple and join everybody else. In yeah, just join Apple Podcasts like everybody else. Finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, allusions to Multiverse of Madness, as an example, we might be behind because Rod talked about stuff that will probably be out by the time this episode comes out and we could be either totally right or totally wrong. Uh, we'll have time to edit it, though, hopefully. <laughs> You're not going to go back and remember to edit this. Probably not. No. I'm not going to remember 15 minutes from now what That's I said. That's true. So now on to the show. Speaking of not remembering things. Thank God. Today we're going to be talking about episodes 11 and 12. You're right. It's a doubleheader. Days of Future Past, one of my favorite storylines. They aired on March 13th and 20th. God, they made us made a, wait a week between them. I remember this trauma. 1993 and currently sit at an 8.6 star rating on IMDb. I love that it. you're saying that like the week in between was like evil of them to do. <laughs> like of all things, one week time back in the 90s was fine. This wasn't like who shot Mr. Burns where you had to literally wait the entire summer. Yeah, uh, although... I remember it was normal. Definitely it was normal. But as a kid, time just went slow where we were, we were talking off mic about how I could have sworn that like X-Men episodes happened like years apart and it was literally like a week. It yeah. Just that emotional memory. Yeah. We, we also had an aside talking about the Green Rangers debut <laughs> in, in Power Rangers. And it was like, oh, how many episodes were in season one? And it was 60. That's insane. It was 60 episodes. And we didn't get Tommy's reveal until like episode 17. And that's why I felt like. But that was also years. like October. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and if you've been watching the Disney Plus Marvel shows, it's been kind of a cool kind of like throwback to the animated series where you had to wait a week between things and everybody had like days to talk about theories and stuff and most of them are wrong <laughs> mephisto <laughs> but anyway this storyline was kind of made into a movie i feel like days of future past is thrown around very loosely these days so one of many fun facts about this episode or series of two episodes the original titles were future tense not days of future past it's future tense wait future tense According to one of the fandom websites, which I did not go back to verify. <laughs> Trying to compute that. No, so. no, no. So it's okay. Okay. It was always in the show as, as Days of Future Past, but the original script title was Future Tense. Oh, it was literally the words Future Okay. T-E-N-S-E. Gotcha. My brain did not compute that. <laughs> What's happening? The like look on your face <laughs> makes me sometimes wish that this was a video podcast, but I also don't want to edit a video podcast, so I'm happy yeah. it's not. And you, you might be able to see like the hamster wheel start like screeching in the top of my head. But this one had, I think if I wasn't already totally hooked on the show as a kid, this one really just kind of, it, it went into that dystopian future and 
this was it. This is the one that sold me because it opens up. I'm just going to read my notes specifically. It says, recap from Slave Island. That's interesting. Then, oops, I'm watching the wrong episode <laughs> because this was one of the ones that was out of order and I just let Disney Plus autoplay. But I recognize that at the beginning. Anyway, recap is from the first two episodes, which is also <laughs> interesting. <laughs> And it opens up with the Statue of Liberty and the Sentinels flying around it. And you kind of follow them to a point where you see... Well, uh, we're in the year 2055, which is very important. 2055, yes. We're very much in the future. Thankfully, still in the future and current day. And we see Logan running with two people that I don't recognize. I'm not sure if you did necessarily. So those are mutants that were literally created just for the cartoon in this episode. Okay. They are they are not analogs to anybody that exists in the comics. And I like that you can tell they're mutants just because of how hip their 90s fashion is. Basically, like they have great hair, even though they're in a dystopian future and probably don't have clean water. Yep. So Wolverine has bigger, grayer hair. Um, that tracks, like bigger, bigger chops yeah. on the side <laughs> and then we get a little bit of a sentinel fight and we see the mutant powers which one has arbitrary like energy blast arms or energy blast and the other one has metal arms and runs really fast like a battering ram plot devices yeah. it works great and I like in the background, you can see X-Men graffiti. So it kind of like drops the hints that there's a lore here, like a legend of the X-Men happening. Yep. They defeat the Sentinels in the fight. They start winning, but then they get stunned by unknown mutant, which we find out. Tracker. Tra yeah, Tracker. Yep. yep. Which I recognize as Bishop. I honestly can't remember if I recognize Bishop from the show, the toy, or some comic thing. You definitely recognized him from the show. Okay. Was yeah. he introduced in the show? No, no. So he, he was definitely in the comics, but just given your experience oh. <laughs> with comics, I'm willing to bet that you saw him in the show, which led to his toy. I love the Bishop soundtrack. Is like this swampy harmonica music. The Sting. Yeah. I literally wrote down, it was like, it, it, it gave me like old Western cowboy Sting vibes. Yeah. Like when he shows up, it's like, it's not the whistle, but it's just like, I don't want to even call it Lone Ranger S, but there's something that is just like desperado vibes. It's almost every time that he walks in on frame, you just hear that. Nope. <laughs> Is exactly like this. I do love at that point Wolverine makes some sort of comment of "Don't I know you?" Yeah, it, it's which as a kid I always saw time travel movies and was like, "How do you not remember the person you saw before?" Now that I'm almost forty, I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, I totally get it." So, <laughs> and obviously we're skipping a, a little bit ahead, but the interaction that Wolverine has for the first time with Bishop is in 1993. This going to. 2055 yeah so it, it is a 60-year plus time frame between also as we established in our last episode wolverine dives headfirst into a lot of things and gives yep. himself concussions a lot of concussions yeah. even with the healing factor there's still some lost brain cells there yep and bishop takes in those three as bounty we just mentioned the foreshadowing a little bit one of the things is that logan calls bishop rookie which i guess just becomes a catchphrase for wolverine at that point I did. Ha I had something here that I didn't know if it was a trope because at the time, besides X Men, I wasn't really into a lot of sci fi stuff. But the whole idea of a dystopian future and like bounties and stuff reminded me a lot of Alita Battle Angel because I just recently rewatched the movie. Yeah, and I, I need know to watch that for the first time. Oh, you've never watched no. it? No. Okay. So the, there's an idea of like, since there's no police, that citizens are just rewarded for capturing, you know, criminals. Theoretically, it's easier to do that because. You have vigilante style people and they're probably not exactly somebody that, you know, if if the Sentinels and their leadership is already anti-mutant, they don't mind if five mutant bounty hunters get killed trying to capture another mutant. It's just fewer mutants for them to have to kill. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I thought what was kind of a cool connection, though, was that even though Alita Battle Angel was a fairly recent movie, that the the storyline came from a manga that was in the 90s. Yep. So it just kind of felt like maybe that was the the vibe at the time for the future, you know, like what you saw the future being and stuff. So, yeah, so Bishop takes in Wolverine and the two random rebels. Yeah, the rebels. The rebel. Oh, yeah. Well, they, call they call them, them rebels. rebels. Yeah, the rebels in and the sentinels check his id and that's when we actually find out that he, his name is bishop yep. tracker bishop but where they brought him is the, the most important part they, it is literally called a mutant termination center so there is nothing about it that is up for debate yeah. you know what is going on there very subtle <laughs> but that's literally the opposite of subtle <laughs> 
But then the Sentinel destroys Bishop's like ID or whatever, saying that his quota has been filled, fulfilled. Like, what is what? A lot of questions about that. So somebody, a bounty hunter can have too many bounties. There's probably some logistics about that. I'm not a bounty hunter. Maybe they <laughs> don't want the bounty hunter trackers because they didn't call him a bounty hunter. They mm-hmm. called him a tracker. Maybe they don't want the trackers getting too rich and then starting an uprising. Yeah. So, yeah. That's... Or, maybe, or maybe catching on to like what's going on or something. Yep. So they end up, the Sentinels end up taking both the three rebels and Bishop a kind of in a figurative way, like or metaphorical way, like at gunpoint, because it's sentinels. You just know they have blasters in their hands, so they're following up, and they do this thing, which is like a almost. I know sentinels don't have emotions necessarily, but they they kind of torture them. Like, look at all the graves, and so you go to the oh, yeah, graveyard. They walk them by the <laughs> graves, and it's like, here's the thing. I get if you want to like showcase the graves outside so it's like the reminder of like hey we're gonna get you you're gonna die if you're in this area you're already set for termination so at that point you're right it is psychological warfare and torture on people you're intending to kill already because otherwise why go to the courtesy or quote-unquote courtesy of i I made air quotes again on the audio podcast god damn it (laughs) and well last one it was you But the the there wouldn't be a, a courtesy of having graves inside the termination center unless it was that I um, guess just for that last bit of torture before they actually yeah. murder them. And it was specifically the X Men. So once again, kind of following up on the lore that your heroes are long gone. Yep. And it was extra striking to me the years they had on these graves because Jubilee went first in 2010. And she's the last reveal. So the order we get yeah. them is Cyclops in 2032, Rogue in 2033, Storm in 2021. It's too close. <laughs> yeah. But then Jubilee in 2010. So Jubilee, yeah. I mean, that meant she was 30. Yeah. Which also, if you've been following the show, which I hope you have been because we're on episode what, like 10 by now. To be honest, just like, just watch them in any random yeah, order. Right. <laughs> but that they they always leave jubilee behind to watch the mansion and the mansion gets destroyed every other week so you know that kind of tracks it's not you don't wish it on her but when you hear it, you're like oh, okay you know what they leave her enough behind enough times then that makes sense and there's there's a grave that's like cut off and it's probably not important but i thought it was interesting that it looked like i said 2019 and you can't see the name yeah that there's that one someone. was obscured and any any research i did i couldn't find like an allusion to who that was the most we could have done if we put effort into the show would have been to look at the comic, which we'll we'll talk about in some of the notes, to see if there was a grave that was marked as 2019 in the comics. Oh, that's right, because there's that cover from Days of Future Past, right, with all the. Well, that was that was like wanted signs and yeah. stuff like that, but I don't know. I and, and transparently, I haven't read the Days of Future Past comic in a decade probably because i i read it when i was still living in connecticut and i moved to la nine years ago yeah so it's it's been nine to ten plus years (laughs) and i didn't feel like asking my mom to ship that trade out just for this episode yeah right and in this time the rebel that's in the pink coat apparently she woke up or maybe this was planned she turns around and she zaps the sentinel yep and and we get a fight yeah yep and we get a we get a breakout. I do feel like the Sentinels should not be so confident that they can police it. even even if it's only Wolverine and Bishop. Only two Sentinels are like there. Yeah. So the girl and the guy tell Wolverine to to go ahead and and complete the mission. Bishop goes with him. We do get the reveal of Nimrod, which is still the weirdest name for like this super Sentinel to me. I've never understood the name Nimrod. Was that from the comics? Nimrod is in the comics, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And then real quick before we move on, yep. I, f- I finally noticed a glitch this time. Is Wolverine, the bottom half of his face, the part's supposed to be flesh tone, and his neck turns like yellow for like a couple beats. Yep. It's like a weird little thing. And then <laughs> I know it's a canister now, but I, in my notes, I was like thermos because I couldn't think of words. One of the rebels is like, continue the mission. And my notes literally say like, she hands him a thermos. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with thermos. <laughs> like, again, sometimes I wish this was a video podcast. <laughs> I don't want to edit a video podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's when they go and they see Forge. Forge is a classic character from the X-Men. He invents lots of cool shit. Is that his power? I never quite grasped what Forge's like skill set or powers were or whatever. Forge makes a lot of cool shit. Cool. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yep. He's got the leg thing. Yeah, he does have a leg thing. <laughs> and by leg thing, it is like a cybernetic leg. And 
Bishop is shocked because they have a working time portal. So it made it sound like that was a fairly common thing, at least at maybe a government level or something. Or at least that was something that was known to have existed at one point. Yeah. Bishop isn't exactly shocked that there is a time portal, mostly just that one is working. Working, yeah. yeah. That, that had it existed sometime between 1993 and 2055, I guess. Yep. So we, we have some catching up to do in the next couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Bishop understands the concept of the time travel machine and everything. And they talk about the assassination of the 90s. At the time, I was a little confused. But the longer this conversation went, the more I understood that this was such a big event that everyone just understands what it is. It's yeah. kind of like JFK's assassination or something They're like, oh, that one. Mm-hmm. And it, it yeah, changed it, the course of time. It, effectively, the way they refer to the assassination of the 90s is like us saying 9-11 to an extent. Yeah. Not to be flippant about it, but it, it literally was just... You just have to say something general, and it triggered that response from everybody who knows what it is. It's it's that level of momentous event for, for the people within this world. And in being on brand for me, instead of saying that Logan, uh, Logan was given a transceiver from Forge, I have Logan was going back in time with his Fitbit. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially Logan has attached to his, or is going to get attached to his arm, a temporal transceiver. And the whole thought process is that is what will keep him in the past. And he basically says that this is a one-way trip. He mm-hmm. he is not planning on making it back. He whatever Whatever he's going to do to stop the assassination, he doesn't think he's going to make it back to, to 2055. And Bishop doesn't believe it. And... Their response is like, okay, well, do you have a better idea? Because this world sucks right now. Yeah, and Bishop kind of calls out how overconfident they are that it'll be kind of that simple Mm -hmm. and volunteers to go instead. Right, because they're hiding the identity of the assassin Mm -hmm. and Bishop kind of calls out Wolverine of, all right, well, do you think you're actually up for this? Because, yeah, because he couldn't even defeat Bishop, let alone x-men at their prime and surprisingly well surprisingly to me at first and then made sense forge agrees forge is like you know he's a he's a he's a spring he's a spring chicken and you're not yeah so let it's also he's twice as tall so let's send him back <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's not a like a bias against height but the ageism yeah. is real yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i guess he's just jacked like he's just like way more jacked or whatever yeah and that's when nimrod attacks there's the sentinel hand shows up in the door blast wolverine and then nimrod goes through the door and at the time bishop jumps in through and he gets teleported into a dirty alley it was just hilarious because he's like oh well it didn't work of course it didn't it's just that he ended up in a shitty neighborhood i love that yeah, whole concept because he sees some kids playing. He's like, "Wait, there are children here, and they're playing openly in the street." Which, <laughs> why are children playing in a shitty alley? Right. But anyway, because you look around, you're like, "You're right. It's not that different." <laughs> no, there, there's there's like broken buildings. There's like a car that's decimated. And even the first couple newsstands he passes don't have anything. They're broken. Yeah, they're like broken that. up. It, it's it's wild. It's a dead neighborhood. They just clearly and there's this some. Like, it, it doesn't even look like kids that fit in that neighborhood. Like, pretty gentrified kids. Yeah, there, there were definitely <laughs> kids in, like, polo shirts kind of scenario. But Bishop does not realize where he is, and he doesn't remember what got him there. And that's the important part, because he sees a not-destroyed newspaper stand, and then he realizes where he is because he says it's, like, it's Monday in the year ni- in 90-something. It was yeah. like, wait... Why does Monday matter? <laughs> like, did he teleport out of a Wednesday in the future and Monday is what's throwing him off right now? I just have a thing from Office Space. He's like, the case of the Mondays, right? Even when you're an X-Man, that, that's not a correct term. Even if you're one of one of them, the, the Mondays still suck. I'm pretty sure one of them is more offensive than <laughs> saying one of the X-Men. Even if you're a tracker, Mondays still suck. Am yeah. I right? So, he, yeah, he, he acknowledges he's in the 90s. Like, it works. And he's just weird partial amnesia. Because he remembers he time traveled, but not why and who he's supposed to get. And it was like we established like literally minutes ago. It was such a big event that it was very clear like what he had to stop. I guess to us be equivalent of like like you said, either a 9-11 or JFK or something like you got to go stop that thing. Yep. And then you get there and you're like, what was I supposed to do? Yep. And he gets triggered by seeing a picture of Xavier. Yes. Yep. In the, in the newspaper. Yep. I guess is a little foreshadowing. I didn't realize that until just now about why Xavier would be in the paper. We'll come back to that. Yep. And then we cut to Rogue and Gambit visiting Beast in prison, which, honestly, I had kind of forgot that Beast existed because they had left him out a lot of episodes. I forgot <laughs> that this entire season, 
Beast is in prison. Yeah. Like looking back on my childhood, I don't remember Beast being in prison the entire first season of the show. Yeah, me neither. It's just they just I don't know. I guess he was gonna be the the MacGuffin or whatever. That was just too easy to I don't know whatever. He, but yeah, they're visiting him in prison. And I thought initially it was just, it was weird that they had the bars closed. I don't know it, that it wasn't like in a visitation thing or whatever. But then I was like, oh, cartoon, 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 cartoon logic. I think too much about it. But. Yep. But what I did love about that scene is Rogue gives him a book called "You Can't Go Home," yeah. which the book itself is literally about the passage of time. Is okay. the concept of the book so great thing to give to a person in jail? <laughs> but she also says it had a good cover. When you look at the animation. It is literally just the title Text. of the book and yeah. nothing else on it. It is the it is the stereotypical plain book cover with a title from the cartoon world. And I love that. They just it, they just kind of paint the picture like, yeah, Beast is the smart one here. We need him back. <laughs> yep. And then Gambit is is very much Gambit. And he's like, yeah, it's great picking out gifts for Beast. You just have to look for the books with the most dust on them. <laughs> yeah. And Beast quotes, I had to look this up, so don't, I'm not trying to pretend I even knew this, a line from a poem, Telthea from Prison by Richard Lovelace. Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. I read the rest of the poem. I don't think that's a hopeful quote, but it was interesting that he took it that way. Like the, It sounded like a poem written by a guy who knew he was going to die in prison to someone outside of prison. I interesting. Did, I did not read the rest of it. <laughs> Rod, you get a gold star for research. That makes that scene so much more depressing now within context. But I also, I'm not a like a literature scholar, so maybe I also have context kind of wrong because I only read like a few more lines down in there. So put a, put a little me. bit of music underneath it, and then right. you're an expert in it. There it's you fine. go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But if I, if you're listening and you do know the actual context, feel free to educate us. In yeah. The tell comments. us how wrong we are in the comments. <laughs> and then going back to where I thought it was weird that they were in the cell with Beast Gambit kind of he starts having like a little bit of an episode and wants to get out he almost blows up the bars by charging them up but then beast just like opens them up like they're made of rubber well i mean beast is absurdly strong yeah. like that's the thing is he he has these animalistic powers but he is not an animal so he's like well this is just going to make stuff worse for everybody if gambit starts blowing crap up yeah so I'm just going to move the bars and let him walk out. See, to me, that's, and maybe I'm just insinuating here, but my the two things that I thought that that signaled to me was that, A, reminding us Beast could be out anytime he wants without anyone's help. Yep. And that also, Brogan Gambit might not be there on an official visit. This might be kind of a covert thing or something, because it, it seems like they could just kind of come in and out whenever they want. But Beast actually kind of recognizes that Gambit's fighting some, like, inner demons. Yeah. Uh, something actually makes a verbal comment about it. So we go back to where Bishop is, and he catches some television thing. It's a, where are they now? There's a thing where it shows X-Men, and I think it says dead or alive on the bottom of it, which is a really weird thing to... Because they're clearly fine. They're, well, I don't think it's questioning. I think it's more of like a wanted. Oh, gotcha. That makes more sense. No. And we get this weird montage of moments that included like some danger room shots specifically. There are a few moments from the animated intro to the show that are redone in context. So they're like a little less flashy on it. There's one shot where it looks like they're fighting a frost giant, which I thought was was interesting because we haven't had anything that alluded to that yet. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you know our inside head canon is that Peter Parker is in the corner documenting all of this. Everything, yep. <laughs> but the big takeaway for that one is Bishop does recognize the X-Men from that. And he says, oh, the legends live. So he's starting to put two and two together even more by seeing, you know, he had Professor X trigger him and now he's seeing the X-Men are a thing. And then there are some kids that run by. Yeah, and they have a game called Assassin that had the Punisher on it with by Marbles. Marbles, <laughs> yep. So story behind that is, well, one, the reason for it being important to the episode is that triggers with Bishop, the X-Men are the assassins, mm -hmm. is what he declares. But assassin was the original name of the Punisher, and it was Stan Lee who changed the name of the character from assassin to Punisher. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, he suggested it. Yeah. yeah. That, that Easter egg makes sense now, because obviously I got the marbles part. That's hilarious. So does that mean that the Punisher is like a celebrity in this world? Because it was clearly his visual, even if the name was like a reference. I Was that implying that, I guess? I don't know, because we've, up to this point, not 
really seen what other superheroes are like outside of the core X-Men group. Yeah. That, that, just, that was just like a kind of like an open-ended question because I saw that. I was like, is he a celebrity out there? I right. Guess, I guess that could be believable. Bishop remembers that the X-Men are the assassins, so he sees a vehicle, which is a public bus. He gets in. They ask for his fare, and he whips out that giant future laser gun thing, and then you see like everybody just jet out of that bus, and then he just takes the bus, literally, yep. and we cut back to the X-Mansion where Jubilee is still on perpetual watch, which is her She's great job. at it. She is a... <laughs> She is a teenager. They're like, she loves watching TV. Yeah, except that she doesn't pay attention for them. Well, she kind of is, but she's she, like, she sees it coming. But she says, like, everything's fine. And, to, and seconds before a bus starts hurling towards the entrance of the X drives right through the front door. <laughs> and Storm and Cyclops are, are there, I guess, just going about their Chilling. Dynamic <laughs> business in their full outfits and everything. Yep. Aside from the shopping mall, we've yeah. always seen Storm in costume, though. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Gambit rule, right? or and, sorry, and on vacation, right? We had yeah. Vacation Storm. <laughs> See, that, that's another. We talk about these side series. Vacation Storm would be a great like little series. I don't know. It wouldn't be, but it's it would not be. <laughs> so there, there is a little bit of a fight there. Storm gets shot. Cyclops gets shot. Wolverine pops up, and Bishop recognizes him. They're able to subdue Bishop, and you know they start kind of examining him and, and his weapons and stuff like that. Gene makes the comment of, "Well, thank God these were set to stun." Which, if you're trying to stop an assassination, maybe don't set your weapon to stun. Right. But apparently, the power readings from the weapon are off the scale. Kind of talking about the you know the value of future tech. And then Jubilee is looking to cross patch into Bishop's arm thing, which I'm assuming was the temporal transceiver. That would be like trying to plug in an analog TV into a USB port, essentially. Yeah, between this and her picking a digital lock with like a piece of wire a few episodes ago. Oh, I guess when they we're, were on Slave Island? Yeah. yeah, I guess we're just establishing that Jubilee is some like techno nerd or expert or something. Or technology was just that lame. There you go. Because <laughs> here's the thing. She couldn't do it. <laughs> right around this right before they got to this part though i do want to point out i think it's funny that how this kind of chain of events happened when bishop was attacking storm and cyclops that jubilee rescues storm and cyclops but then wolverine rescues jubilee and then bishop recognizes wolverine and then professor xavier rescues bishop it was like the opposite of like a mexican standoff like glue the guns it's like everybody's like saving each other <laughs> I just want everybody shooting each other, personally. <laughs> but yeah, right. And then speaking of Xavier basically goes, can I probe your mind to Bishop? And Bishop's reaction is like, I have a choice. But hey, you're the and, first one he's asked consent for. Right. And then he does it anyway when you've not said yes. Very on brand. And so Professor X uses Cerebro to read Bishop's mind. Which, by the way, I love as he's reading people's minds, it broadcasts onto the television too. Yeah, very dangerous. I mean, apparently everybody here, very pure of thought. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, this is true. Yep. There's a lot more a lot more stuff in there. Especially next episode where we talk about him probing Gambit's mind. That was a dangerous choice. Yeah, this is like, uh, Jubilee, you have to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you see there some future visions. You know, there's, there's politicians campaigning and it says, do you know what your children are? Which is a play off of, do you know where your children are? Which was like a parenting thing from the 80s yeah, and 90s. If, if anyone didn't live through their early 90s, late 80s, that was a huge thing, which is an interesting, you know how they always say that you, you can only envision the future in the context of your present. I don't think that's ever, like that's not a thing right now. It's not a slogan, but that was literally on the nightly news. Yeah. Like, that, like 10 would, o'clock news or whatever. It would, it would be a chime that would literally say on TV, it's 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. I don't remember what time yeah. it actually went off, but it would literally be a chime of, do you know where your children are? Yeah, I remember that in, in like very early childhood. And then eventually at some point it went away. So I saw that and the thing, it stood out to me, but also it was funny that then they were like, oh, that's going to last forever, right? That's going to be... And then we gave our children phones with GPSs. There you go. <laughs> yep. We also see some of the, the mutant camps. And then you see the Sentinels surrounding the woman president who had been in some of the earlier episodes. Also, what stood out to me is there is a shot, and we're going to post this on our Instagram for those of you who hadn't seen it, where a Sentinel is blasting Wolverine, which is actually an homage to one of the famous comic book covers from the original Days of Future Past storyline, where it's Wolverine getting blasted by the sentinel hand i'm going to show it to rod right now just so he knows what i'm talking about that's so cool that they put these little moments in there so that's the shot from the episode oh wow i okay okay and that's the classic comic book oh wow yeah that's just a recreation yeah i also love the subtitle this one everyone dies this issue everybody dies and that <laughs> 
For context for everybody, that is from the Uncanny X-Men from number 142, written in the 1980s. And sorry, not just the 1980s, 1980. Wow. Finally, a comic older than me. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, so Cyclops is skeptical that it's real. Wolverine is skeptical that it's real. He makes a comment about it. And then Gene says something to the effect of, no, I I sense his genuineness in this. And she puts her hand on his shoulder and he looks back and... This is extra funny because it's animated. He like smiles and then he's just like got a shit eating grin on his face for the next like couple shots. It's just like, oh, she touched me. Really funny that they actually animated it. it wasn't, well, like, I mean, he's happy. Right. <laughs> he doesn't get a lot of moments of happiness, Rod. The reason it stood out though in that shot is they're looking at this dystopian future and like, oh, we're all going to die and everything. He's like, but she touched me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then he also says, at least I didn't lose my hair. Like, he's just happy-go-looking. He's in his happy place. He doesn't believe it, but he's simultaneously happy that he didn't lose <laughs> right. his hair. But then there's the comment around something else came back through the portal. They actually reference the Terminator. They do reference the so Terminator. very self-aware. So, yeah, they literally said Mr. Terminator yeah. to Bishop. Cyclops is still being an asshole. Still, still, that's just a given. And then they decide to go to the spot where they... they find an energy signature effectively which looks like a door that makes sense because the time portal was shaped like door square things (laughs) so shut up rob this is the time i wish it was a video podcast (laughs) yeah it's gonna be great when i throw a book physically at you in a second out of that area they get attacked by nimrod they refer to him as the new sentinel storm gets buried again under rubble and i love cyclops's comment is like we got to get her out. She's claustrophobic. I was like, also a brick wall fell on her. Yeah, I would be worried about the brick wall that could have killed her. Claustrophobia secondary. <laughs> and Storm recovers very quickly. Yep. No physical or psychological damage that you can see. Nope, nope. just concussions. Tons and tons of concussions in this group. Gene got shot, so that's fun. Storm effectively makes ice, which makes Nimrod slip, and then they freeze him. They break him up while he's cold, and they think that they've, they've won for mm-hmm. a second. And then it's like, oh no, he can reconstruct himself. And then Bishop knows to destroy a certain part of him, And that, going back to your earlier comments of him accepting time travel, is he must know something about time travel because he destroys specifically where Nimrod's temporal transceiver is, which sends Nimrod back to the future. Yeah, he knows where it is. Yeah. So, Especially when he's all dismembered. Yeah. So that worked. (laughs) And then we have your favorite segment of the show, Rod's favorite Stormline. This whole time when everyone was doubting, the time travel story. Storm literally looks down at everything that just happened and says, I believe him now. I wrote, Storm believes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thank you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You love Storm. <laughs> I love Storm, but also that like, that line was unnecessary, but I love that they put it in there and they gave it to her. Yep, and then we have the great transition of Wolverine also believes and he He alludes to it, and then he waits until they get back to the mansion to ask, who is the assassin? I made the same note. I know that's a transition. (laughs) But it was a great transition. (laughs) But I want to see, like, the real time, how that works. Like, I just have one question. What is it? Hang on. (laughs) Commute back to (laughs) Westchester. (laughs) Which one of us is it? And Bishop doesn't know. Cyclops immediately goes to Jean's defense, saying, well, it can't be Jean. Jean actually argues, and she basically says, we've all had our dark days, or have you forgotten? Red flag. (laughs) What have we forgotten? Because we haven't seen anything dark from you, Jean. Yeah. Yet. Foreshadowing. Yep. And then Rogue comes back, and shortly thereafter, Gambit is following her from their trip from seeing Beast. And as soon as Gambit walks in the room, Bishop is triggered. He just goes haywire. And then we get to be continued. And when the episode ends, Bishop shoots with the gun and it's one color. But then when we transition into the next episode, it's a different color. That would, I didn't notice that, but that would track because previously when Bishop also shot, when he was attacking the mansion the first time, he says two different lines when they return from the commercial break. Yeah. And also, kids, if you're watching, you don't know why there's weird black pauses in between frames. Is because back in the day, we had to watch commercials on TV and we couldn't skip them. There are weird <laughs> pauses in Hulu shows as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so they might not know why, but those still exist. <laughs> and But they, we didn't have timers. So you just had to guess. Do you have a minute? Do you have 10 seconds to go make a sandwich? You don't know. Yep. But that one, it was, it was something like, actually, 
I was going to guess, but I took a note of what he said because that's what we're supposed to be doing here. Earlier, Bishop, before the commercial break. Commercial oh. break or, or episode break? Yeah, right. Well, no, no, commercial break earlier in the episode oh, okay. for, the, for the bus thing. He shoots and he says, assassins. And then it goes to black. And it cuts and it purposely shows him raising the gun again in the same way. And then that time he says, for the future. Yep. It's like, so which one was it? And I think it might have been a little bit of an error because he says for the future, like a little bit later also in the fight. Assassins of the future. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's to be continued, except for you, because we're still going. So we're on part two, which back in the 90s happened a week later because they tortured us. Gambit has walked into, into the control room and gets what we think is going to be shot by Bishop based on the cliffhanger of last week. But... Rogue decides to to jump in front and take the shot for him. And this was a cool shot, too, because following this, we kind of got to see the other perspective of them entering the room like they were driving back and everything. So I don't know if the animated shows for kids did that before. They're like, let's see a different perspective. <laughs> this show was so much more sophisticated in its storytelling than than lots of shows. You know, it this show didn't end with the the more, you know, G.I. Joe tropey stuff yeah. and like, trying to be educational. Exactly. Like, we know what this is. And I think Gambit gets shot anyway, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. <laughs> so there's the the further conflict that, that keeps going. Gambit is just really confused why some random dude just tried to shoot him. Like he doesn't have the full context of, of who Bishop is. And, and his response when he hears the accusation is, yeah, you're giving us the best kind of lie. One can't nobody prove is specifically how he phrases it because he's Cajun. If there's Cajun listeners out there, is that offensive? Because there's moments in this, especially when other people call him the Cajun. Is that is that wrong or is that endearing? I don't know. <laughs> is Cajun <laughs> offensive? Hold on. Let's find this out. And is... I don't want to sound overly woke. It is it's kind of a genuine thing. It's just interesting that they don't call the other people by you know they don't they don't call like rogue like a southern bell or something you know like constantly as her instead of her name was formerly considered an insulting term became a term of pride amongst louisianas by the beginning of the 21st century oh, so i guess not there you go so that so it's it by then yeah so was, around the time this was written it was slightly offensive and then when we crossed over into the new millennia that's when it was no longer 21st century is that considered progressive i don't know or like Ahead of its time, I guess. Let's not debate that, because... <laughs> nope. But yeah, Bishop explains that Gambit was the assassin, and he specifically kills someone in D.C. Yep, kills somebody in D.C., and all mutants get blamed. And he basically talks about that there's mutant control laws that get put into place, and we, we see some visions of the future. Master Mold is specifically shown. There is an army of Sentinels. And then we see some other characters interacting with Sentinels and Rod. Who are those individuals? <laughs> this is going to be this is fun. I've already failed the quiz. But who I recognize, I recognize Sunfire and the Morlocks, I believe. Yep. There's Cyclops, and someone next to Cyclops who I recognized visually, but I couldn't figure out their name or i tried to even google it a couple times and i I, it wasn't enough information for me to find out you mean his brother havoc who havoc who's wearing his x-factor costume oh god yeah i the name was on the tip of my tongue and you know when when that happens when it's like oh it's on the tip of my tongue and you're like it starts with the and it's the letter and it's never the right yeah you were going with like an r or something like that i I think it was literally an l i was Mm. like it was a lavic (laughs) yep we also see an image of an older version of Beast, Gene, and Scott, because they're all grayed. Yeah, that's how that works. And there's mention of how the camps are built and the camps are the final step. Again, they're having no problems giving allusions to, you know, the, the camps in, in Germany. Like, they 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 go for it hardcore. Bishop then mentions how, essentially, this created a new world order for humans as well. And you see a shot of the Oval Office with a sentinel literally ripping the roof off of the Oval Office and they're standing around the female president, the same shot from the last episode. We got a little overlap, so it kind of connects. Yeah, and then Bishop still does not remember who was assassinated. Just still wild, because it feels like that's the biggest detail. It makes it really hard to prevent an assassination <laughs> if you don't know who's being assassinated. I agree, that's a very important detail. <laughs> And the thing we get from all this is the Sentinels just kind of go overboard for one reason or another, and that someone is assassinated in D.C., allegedly by Gambit, and Professor X realizes, going back to the the news headline that we saw in the paper earlier, that he's going to be speaking uh, for mutant rights or whatever in D.C., so he asks, like, could it be me that's going to be assassinated? Right. 
wild to think like you're it's like a jesus judas kind of situation right you're like is one of my students gonna be the one to kill me and wolverine has the moment with gambit he's like well you've never been completely straight with us about your past which it's like damn wolverine just turned on you really quick for right. not trusting this other dude and also the pot calling the kettle black like how much has logan shared about his past <laughs> i mean according to the saber tooth episodes not a lot right <laughs> And Storm kind of goes to Gambit's defense saying that specifically that she knows Gambit better than anyone, which either could be kind of like a kinky thing or that they have a history. I know. But she also looks down rogue when she says it. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to get some of this. I Because I, even though I don't read a lot of comics, I do know some of Storm's history. And it seems like maybe they're implying that they have some shared empathy to each other. Because Storm also has like a history of being a thief a bit, like a bit of pickpocket and stuff. So maybe she sympathizes with him a little bit in his past. Well, one thing that has not been touched on is how the different members of the X-Men came to be a part of the team in the comics. So obviously it's not officially show canon until it's show canon but storm was the one who brought gambit into the x-men oh wow in okay. the comics so there may be some sort of illusion that she also was the one who brought gambit into the team within this show oh that's cool that's really sweet too because it's kind of if you don't know anything about the characters like i did or their relationship it seems like an unlikely pairing yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have guessed that that was the pair that came in together obviously gambit feels betrayed and he decides he's going to go to D.C. to stop the assassin because that's what you do is do fulfill the prophecy like some Oedipal complex. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to purposely go to the spot where an assassination happens to prove that I didn't assassinate somebody. Sounds like sounds like a check out. Yep. Bishop decides he's going to threaten Gambit again, which this dude who's literally ready to kill Gambit at the drop of a dime. They're not separating them at all. Really? Yeah, they're, they're just they just. Let it keep going. Wolverine basically goes, no, you're going to stay behind and you're going to stay behind and I'm going to stay behind. And that makes sense and also makes the very next scene hilarious. Because they decide to play poker. <laughs> sure. I There weren't iPads then. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> it's a bunch of dudes in the 90s. Yep. We're going to play poker, which is also a fun choice when one of those players is someone who specifically makes playing cards explosive. Or just has access to a lot of cards <laughs> and is considered a thief. Like, let's let's take away the mutant power yeah. aspect for a half of a second. This dude's gonna cheat. Yeah. And then of course gets accused cheating by Bishop. Yeah, they get they get in a fight immediately. And Gambit takes a shot literally at Bishop and Bishop we we finally see what his power set is it's explained more formally now yeah. because we we knew he had energy related capabilities but this is like oh you're gonna hit me with an energy blast i'm gonna absorb it and shoot it back at you yeah and then he specifically says i absorb bio energy yep. and, and all that stuff which is a hell of a phrase to say right yeah bio energy and specific which is a very specific pair up because that's literally the inverse of gambit's power and then we we cut to dc with, yep. with a very hilarious cartoon moment or sitcom moment with blob pyro and avalanche and an off-screen female voice which i at least inferred was mystique yes and they said it's what was the phrasing something along the lines of it's a beautiful day for an assassination yeah and no dark t undertones or anything literally just like birds chirping yeah like look out the window they literally open the window yeah <laughs> Well, you need to know where you're going to be assassinating, Rod. Right. Make sure it's the right day. The temperature's good. Yep. Then we go back to the mansion, and Gambit is escaping. Right. He he sets one of his playing cards, which I guess he also has the ability for them to have specific timers against them, where he puts it under the TV, and then a bunch of the arcade machines blow up. <laughs> like, just destroys the rec room. He really hates rec rooms. Yeah, he, he didn't take Storm's advice. He wrecked the rec room. Also, I'm trying so hard to not throw my book at you right now. <laughs> I'm not making up the puns. They were just there. But also what kind of upset, you know, the kid and me was you were left alone and you had a set of arcade machines. You decided to play poker. The problem with arcade machines is once you've beaten it, you can't keep playing them over and over unless you're a sociopath who wants to beat Billy Mitchell's high score. But Bishop hadn't played them before. Or well, I don't know. I guess he's in the future. Did he? I don't know. 
I'm thinking Bishop didn't, but Bishop might not even know what a video game <laughs> is. But also the logistics of this whole thing is if Wolverine's supposed to be babysitting them and you're worried that one of them is going to cr- to assassinate someone that's going to set off a chain of events of the end of the world and the other one is some psychopath that you don't know if he's telling the truth about being from the future or even if he is what he's telling the truth of is to not contain them in some way, shape, or form. And sit they don't contain anyone. Right? We've gone through this. <laughs> People just get away with whatever. And it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Run away. I don't care. Gambit steals one of the, like, the mini mini jets. Jets. It looks like the Naboo Starfighter, essentially. You know, I would love actually, to... Actually, it's a little closer to an A-Wing than a Naboo Starfighter. I would love to just believe that that's what Professor X has laying around in his collection. Yeah, because that. of the multiverse of madness. Right. And then we go back to DC. Yep. Scott and Gene are with, kind of behind or supporting Professor Xavier at the mutant hearing, and he's arguing with the senator, which is kind of cartoonish senator kelly specifically senator kelly yep which is kind of cartoonish but if you've ever watched some of these more like heated senate hearings isn't too far off it's very reminiscent of (laughs) british parliament hearings okay where they just yell at each other and interrupt each other and like yeah british parliament looks awesome i don't know how (laughs) anything gets done but they're ready to fight which you know i've seen some of that recently with recent events and fair question because well, things yeah. are happening. Maybe not the ones they want to. So Kelly asks him if he's associated with renegade mutants, and he also accuses the school of being pro-mutant propaganda. Professor X starts to answer and immediately is cut off by Senator Kelly. Which tracks. Yep. <laughs> for American politics. For anybody that may be listening, not familiar with American politics, that it, it is not unusual to see. <laughs> so as that altercation is happening verbally... Yep. So you start seeing some building shake, which in this universe, we know what that means. And we see- It means they're in Los Angeles. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they were in Los Angeles, they wouldn't care about it. They'd just be like, Yeah, oh. the amount of shaking that happens <laughs> in Los Angeles would be like, whatever. But yeah, so the, sh- the... But it's not Earthquake, because Earthquake is not a character that we're talking <laughs> about. It is Avalanche. And he's with his buddy Pyro. Pyro makes the Flame Dragon, which is like the coolest version of Pyro's powers yeah. so far. Like, we actually get to see that. The level of control. Cyclops shoots a hole through the wall and i was like oh cyclops just missed which i feel like has got to be the hardest thing to do is miss when your power is literally what you're looking at but that's a whole other thing and gene basically like shoots them outside Mm -hmm. as that happens then professor xavier summons the rest of the x-men right telepathically which has a, a really hilarious moment where rogue is by a tree with jubilee who was sleeping and, and earlier she made some sort of comment of like no gambit just having nightmares yeah it was it was it was yeah it was, <laughs> so rogue runs off and she leaves jubilee by herself asleep yeah she's like teenagers am i right yeah, teenagers. <laughs> Gambit arrives at the around the same time. That's when we see the blob. And I believe Blob confronts Rogue first. She punches him. Oh, yeah. Yep. She just gets her, like, hand stuck in his stomach. Because at this point, we don't really know anything about the blob other than his earlier reveal where he was wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt. That's all yeah. we got from the blob earlier. He was kind of, he was giving me kind of kingpin vibes just because he was a big guy in a Hawaiian shirt. He didn't have the jacket. No, no. And his power is very different from the yeah. kingpin. But also, that's the first time that we see, to see kind of, like, a more rounded out set. Where his powers at all, but definitely the round. Because we... Oh, I didn't mean I to love make that. You keep calling him round. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that pun. I, I, I was like, kind of. I was going to say well-rounded, but like the 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 thing is like several things happened to Blob in that sequence that you just kind of see the extent of like what he can do. Or yep. is he doing it? He's just kind of standing there. He's just kind of standing there taking it. <laughs> but he's absorbing a lot of stuff. Yeah, and then I would imagine this was intentional, but he calls Cyclops four eyes. Yeah. And I'm making the one, one for Cyclops and the four for four eyes. Yeah. And I think that's just to show he's kind of big and dumb. Yeah. He's strong, but he's dumb. Because basically, Pyro, Avalanche, and Blob are all kind of dumb. And it, it's on brand for him because Jubilee is one of this like onslaught of trying to get, take him down. And she shoots like her powers, like her fireworks or whatever. Her pew pews. Yeah. yeah. At him. And he burps them away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does. And then Rogue, which I thought this was kind of a cool, like, smart thing for, like, a show that we've been talking about where Rogue takes Pyro's fire dragon, like, so far up the atmosphere that it extinguishes. Yep, yep. Rogue gets chased by the the fire dragon, and it it extinguishes from the the lack of oxygen. Wow, that's really assuming kids are smart. (laughs) Or fire dragons aren't. There (laughs) So they end up defeating Blob temporarily by freezing him in ice in... 
I would imagine that's what's the the, the lake in front of oh, the reflecting Washington? pool. The reflecting pool. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine that was their version of the reflecting pool because it's not very high. Yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, it's only like waist deep water. Yeah, yeah, if that, because in Forrest Gump or something, or even oh no, in show. It's oh, waist deep. Show. Gotcha, gotcha. It is it is blob waist deep in show. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yep. A few other things get like broken up and messed up. There's like a church steeple that almost falls. Gene catches it telekinetically, which I think that's the biggest thing Gene has lifted or held physically with her telekinesis. Yeah, and she specifically says like it's way too heavy. Yeah. So Rogue goes in and saves the catch. Wolverine runs under and saves a little girl. As that happens, the villains give the classic he who fights and runs away. And then the other one, I believe it was Avalanche is just like, let's just get out of here. Yeah, he's, he has some common sense. He's like, why are we monologuing yeah no leave <laughs> and then wolverine has the most john carl moment of the episode where he goes the kid's crying do something and hands off the crying child to somebody the else. jubilee yeah yeah and then jubilee takes the kid and then rogue actually has the pun in this episode which was bishop is running into the building and rogue says hey bishop's running for congress i purposely didn't write it down <laughs> one because again i hate puns two i knew you would I like that there were two lines this time and they weren't from Storm. <laughs> like they were like, we're gonna give these away to other yep. other characters. Yeah, we have to have other people make <laughs> puns that make John cringe. So Senator Kelly goes into the room with his blue-haired aide. Blue-haired, great-haired. It was definitely a bluish color. That yeah, was a little yeah. progressive for a senator's aide. It back was like she's not 90s. old. Yeah, back in the 90s, that was a very progressive hairstyle for somebody in politics to have, especially because that wouldn't even work right now. I didn't even put that together. That was a political job. I mean, I, she's with a senator yeah, yeah, in the no, hearing, so. I guess that's just like my in my head filtering it out through like modern lens. Yep. They walk into an office where it's like, you're going to be safe here, Senator. And then immediately he sees that same woman tied up. And then the person transforms into Gambit. Obviously, at this point, we know it's Mystique because... There aren't that many shapeshifters yeah, to yet. worry about yet. The actual gambit interrupts making the save. And then Bishop runs in the room and there are two gambits. And what is Bishop's solution? Like, I'm just going to take you both out. Which at that point, he's admitting he's going to kill an innocent person. Yeah. And also, arguably, the assassination was pretty much prevented. Do you still have the killer there? You still, okay, so you, I wouldn't say it's prevented when you only have a person you don't trust and then a person with a gun. It's not prevented yet, yeah, Rod. But, but it's, I don't know if like the shoot both of you and ask questions later would have been like the only dis- choice at the time. No, it's a, like, <laughs> it's a maybe let's get the senator out and let these idiots kill each other. That's even a better yeah. out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just get, or in, in the, the aid, I'm guessing we're- Oh yeah, shoot the aid. Like, <laughs> oh, that's not what you were saying? <laughs> All right, so Rogue comes in, sees what Bishop is going to do, and effectively stops Bishop, rips off his temporal displacement thing, temporal transceiver. These words. The words. The, there are so many MacGuffins from 80s and 90s cartoons. I can't keep them all straight. There's the one from G.I. Joe. I can't remember the name of it now, of course, because I'm talking about it, but it was the something something weather transceiver and that was like there were three parts of it and that was the whole basis of like a multi-part gi joe episode and it's oh, like wow. that's not a real thing yeah well at least it wasn't a floppy disk it's true it that was, was not that, a- that was the thing for like everything yep, everything was on a floppy disk <laughs> that one sounded like a rev just to spite us yeah that was a rev just to spite us. <laughs> leave that one in <laughs> So she rips it off of Bishop. It sends him back to the future. And then we have, at that point, Gambit is, is actual Gambit has been knocked out. And Mystique decides to reveal herself to Rogue. They obviously have, you know, a moment where Rogue recognizes her from your island. And then Mystique decides to reveal a little extra that Rogue was not expecting. Yeah, she was Rogue's mom, or I guess it, adopted, mom. adopted mom. Yeah, because yep. she said that she, her specific wording was, I saved you and told you to call me mom or something like that, which raises a whole lot of questions but it, it, it's so she, mystique is so confident there's some deep history with them because mystique specifically says you're gonna let me go it's like so they really know each yeah. other it's not just you're gonna like let a, me go why would i do that and then she transforms into the image of rogue's mom which i wouldn't have trusted if i were i mean i know it's an emotional thing to see your mother if you thought that she was gone or whatever but she's a shape different and change into anybody but you would have to use Rogue's logic of how would she no, know? I guess, yeah. Again, go to 1993. Imagine the research you would have had to do to figure out who somebody's mom was 
if you didn't know you were going to cross paths with them again. That's true. My questions for Mystique were, are those puppy skulls on her belt? They might be. <laughs> They're tiny. <laughs> They're tiny skulls. So yeah, Gambit is like laid out on the table. Rogue helps Mystique escape. Mystique basically is like, yeah, failed apocalypse. Rogue is kind of questioning like, why would you side with him? And Mystique says the phrase, which is kind of terrifying of, he gave me purpose. Kind of talking about how, you know, much of a cult in a way that Apocalypse is able to convert people because the horsemen in the previous episodes that we discussed didn't go willingly to become horsemen. They they were transformed by the process of the machine and everything like that. But everything Mystique is doing, she's choosing to do. Granted, she fears for her life, but she's still making the choice. Yeah, and she makes the parallel with Rogue. It's like, it's not too different than you and Xavier. Like, he gave you purpose, too. Yep. And then Rogue asked the, the question that any child would want to ask of, well, why would you do what you were going to to me, knowing that I'm your daughter? And Mystique <laughs> goes, because it was the only way to get you back. And that could be a load of things which i'm sure we're going to get into into future episodes of like what was their history together yeah because rogue left like that is established that rogue left mystique even though she didn't know she was mystique she left her mom and her family so you know what past is there also how convoluted and destroyed is mystique's mind that she thinks the only way to get her daughter back is to turn her into an instrument of apocalypse what what is that condition called when that happens with parents and their kids I, i'd seen it a few times in the news like is it the munchausen syndrome yes that where like you just make your kid it's, it's like it's like wow it's like you make your kid sick yeah, yeah. To, to to keep them around it's like yeah that's um, the the thing eminem had to deal with with his mother i believe yeah so yeah. it's like okay rogue at this point maybe like commit your mom to something other than getting back with her like yeah <laughs> other place from there we flash forward to bishop who who arrives in a still ruined future and he sees forge and forge is like well we'll try again and again if we have to and then you get one of the the best and most infamous visuals from the x-men comics which is wolverine just the skeleton within the what is the equivalent of a back to tank yeah. and and you know it's wolverine because you see the claws out and everything and bishop is confused he's like but i didn't fail i prevented the assassination and he's, Ford, ta he's taking a lot of credit there <laughs> i mean he did a lot but here's the thing he actually doesn't know if he prevented the assassination yeah. because he got sent back for but all that said forge being incredibly calm for all things considered is like well Maybe it was something different. And that could get taken a bunch of different ways. It could also be taken as, is the future a foregone conclusion regardless of whatever you change? It's that whole destiny argument yeah. of no matter what, will we still get to this place even if the events that get us there are a different route? Yeah, and in the current day MCU, there's the absolute points. If you remember what if Doctor Strange's episode, they talk about it with him trying to save Christine and heavily alluded to in the Multiverse of Madness trailers. It's, yeah, it was like that. It's like, is it like that? It's like, we're just not gonna be able to change this. We can change things in between, but not. Right, but. at the end of the day, you could still do everything you want to, but Christine dying. Spoiler for what if, whatever, we've warned about enough spoilers in this show. Yeah. Also, Doctor Strange, she died. How many years ago did Doctor Strange come out at this point? Yeah. It's just the timeline of this episode is off the rails. 2055, mm -hmm. modern day MCU, what if, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, is is there a fixed point that the mutant control or, you know, mutant termination camps need to become a thing? You know, that's, in essence, that could be a thing. You know, it's it's destiny. It's It's all theoretical at that point. Or did they just not have the right theory of which point in time to change? Yeah, and I also, now I'm watching this as I'm older, like that they didn't just do like the War of the Worlds thing where they're like, oh, there's thousands of alien ships like attacking and we just have to get the one and then the rest are going to fall out of the sky. It, it was like kind of heavy handed to assume that like, oh, you prevent this one event and it'll make sure that all this other stuff in history doesn't happen. It's, all right, it doesn't work like that. So the interesting part for this whole thing is he thinks he prevented the assassination. Then we cut back to, quote unquote, the modern time, the 90s again, yep. and they go into Kelly's office and there's a massive hole in the wall <laughs> and you have Gene, Scott and Xavier going in there. They realize Kelly's gone and Professor X points out that his watch has stopped. 
And of course, Cyclops probably would have fought anybody else for saying that statement, yeah. but he's not going to fight Professor Axe. At time. He kind of, he gives a little bit of a snotty, well, why is that important? Yeah. And then Professor Axe says, well, because my watch, he drops the watch. It then proceeds to ping onto the side of his hover chair, has been magnetized. And Cyclops punches the wheelchair. <laughs> Cyclops would not punch a wheelchair. He would just punch the guy in the wheelchair. He's like, why would you be magnetized? No, but that was such a cool, like, cliffhanger ending. Like, perfect in tone, in suspense. Yep. Like, I don't know. It was really cool. Also, kids, if you don't know what a watch is, okay. <laughs> I hope you know what watches are. They know are. what watches are. They're literally Apple watches, Rod. <laughs> but do they know why watches wouldn't work with magnets around? I'm pretty sure okay. an Apple watch wouldn't work with most magnets okay. around at this point. I don't know anymore. I mentioned a phone with a cord uh, to the kid at one point, and they were like, what? Why? But yeah, then we got to be continued. And I remember in a previous episode i said we're going to keep track i have not kept track if you've been keeping track let us know in the comments if these have had any sort of rhyme or reason all right let's go to some interesting factoids about the or before we get into the factoids do you have any just closing thoughts around this episode it, or two episodes yeah it this storyline happened much faster than i remembered it but it makes sense everything does like we mentioned the power rangers stuff and everything <laughs> i felt like this went on for weeks it went on for two episodes a week apart granted but Still, great story for those of you who are new to the animated series, Days of Future Past. A version of this kind of played out in the X-Men movies. Which was also called Days of Future Past. Past but, like, little things were shifted. But it, it was, it's funny, they, they I'll give them credit with this. They got some anchor points right, so it was recognizable at yep. the very least, which is not a thing that happens in X-Men movies. So the original story happened Uncanny X-Men number 141. Forge and Bishop had not even been introduced in the comics at that point. Oh, wow. The character who actually goes back in time was Kitty Pride, and the other surviving X-Men at the time are Wolverine, Storm, and Colossus. The attack on the Senator is Mystique, where it's a solo attack. She doesn't have, like, the team kind of scenario. She also wasn't trying to impersonate Gambit for it. There's a bunch of stuff that happened that actually resembles X-Men number eight, which I know it gets confusing with the numbers, but Uncanny X-Men came out well before X-Men in the 90s. So there's a storyline revolving around Gambit being one of the survivors. We already mentioned this, but Wolverine's helpers were not based in the comic book in any way, shape, or form solo in the comic? He's not solo, but you had Storm and Colossus okay, at the gotcha. time, and also Kitty herself. Jubilee actually did die in real world 2010 in the comics. And I say die with air quotes. Again, <laughs> air quotes on a, on a podcast. Well, she became a vampire. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. So current version of Jubilee has a child and is vampiric in nature. Comics man. Comics man. <laughs> One of the things that made me laugh is earlier we mentioned how Gambit gets into the jet, the mm. A-wing for lack of a better term. And he goes to DC did you notice something wrong with the map, Rod? Oh, no. I didn't notice something, did I? You didn't notice something because it shows Washington, D.C., but the image is in the shape of the state of Washington. You know, sure. Yep. Well, you know, I did notice there was some dialogue where they interchanged D.C. and Washington. At the time, I thought they were just doing shorthand. It was probably just unedited. Yep. <laughs> or not edited correctly. Yep. Oh, going back to the ending of the, the show, we got the, the, the fixed point theory or, or absolute point. As Rod said, I'm going a little more along the lines of destiny or yeah. it just wasn't the right event. But in the comics, they give you the impression that whatever they did by sending closer to a future soul of Kitty into the past, into Kitty at the time is is in her teen years. She's effectively the Jubilee of this version of the X-Men. They succeeded is is the vibe that you get from it. They actually didn't get this future outcome and, and were successful in changing it. They purposely chose Gambit because they wanted somebody who was believable to be a traitor. Yeah, it's kind of a callback to the Slave Island. Right. And that also, at the end of the Slave Island episode, where Gambit was like, oh, or did I just fool you all? And then Jubilee is having the dream because she was the one who was on the plane. Is like, <laughs> you Gambit, I knew you couldn't turn on us. And it was like, she's literally having dreams about him turning. And it was like, oh. I love how Jubilee's parents and Xavier everybody sent her to the school to like be safe and like learn to control her powers and instead she's getting emotional damage yep. from all sides. 
One thing Eric Leewald did talk about in the books that I think is interesting. So there is a future episode, episodes 54 and 55 called One Man's Worth. And in the movie, Days of Future Past, there is a deleted scene. And I don't want to spoil it because it is a scene that occurs in the cartoon is a moment between two characters and it's a in the future scenario. And they literally including the kiss of those two characters, have that take place in the movie. And that was, Eric believes, an homage to the cartoon. Okay. But it's only a deleted scene. So you yeah. have you would have to go and watch more of Days of Future Past, which I don't know if I care enough to go and watch the, the deleted scenes. Uh, yeah. It. You know how much I don't want to watch it is that for one of the digital, like the movie streaming services or not streaming, like download services I got, they included... They, they included yeah they included days of future past for free and i still haven't watched it has been remained unwatched it's, it's just it's in the are you gonna watch me yet library yeah it's like every time i open my apple tv it's like things you haven't watched it's like can i unmark this or something i can't even delete it anymore because yeah. it's just like in my library it was it was a great two episodes this one also felt like it had massive stakes so you know that's one of the things we've talked about on the show that we really like is there are stakes to everything that happens and Death has meaning here, probably in the show more than it does within the comics, to be fair. Because, you know, we see how dark does the future get if things don't go the way we would hope they would. You know, you get, you know, it's not just, oh, we lost a teammate. It's, oh, there's a massive genocide that's going to take place in this world. So, yeah, Yeah. it gets gets pretty dark and, you know, we, we, we end on the cliffhanger of the episode of... While Bishop thinks he was successful, we don't actually know if he was successful because... He doesn't know if he was. Well, not even that, but the X-Men don't even know. They don't know if if Senator Kelly's alive. I don't know if it was the first, but it was definitely one of the earliest things that I watched as a kid that (laughs) painted the possibility that there would be a dark future, both in real life and in the show I liked. Yeah. The interesting thing to put in the kid's head. <laughs> so is it fair to assume that you watched this before you watched the Terminator? Yes. I remember specifically getting the Terminator in 98 or 99. Because, oh my God, you took that long? Yeah. So I, if I had watched it before, I don't know what, like in what context or whatever. But the reason I did watch it later was, I'm going to just cut the short story short, but the, the, my half my older half-brother had built a PC for me and gave me some video discs, which kids at the time came on a set of six CDs because movies and DVDs weren't a thing yet. Or they would be pretty soon, but at that point, not yet common. And so it was literally the only movie I could watch on my computer for a couple of years. And so I didn't know what it was, and I watched it. It was Terminator 2, I think, actually. Which for context, came out in 91. So even Terminator yes. 2 had been out before this dark future within the show. Yeah. But like we were referencing, this this is based on a comic from 1980. So it is not a ripoff of the Terminator, yeah. <laughs> even if they did call Bishop the Terminator. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post about this episode. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. Thanks for hanging in there with us. This was a long one. We'll be back. (laughs) Perfect.